Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 145. I stand, you sit, I speak, you laugh. It sounds like an order, but yes, that's the idea of this show. So I'm your host Alex, and today you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, as you were all the other times you're listening to this podcast. And yes, today I have Shireen as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing splendid, fantastic, and swell. I just combine all oh. those three together. <laughs> That's more than I can say I'm doing. I'm just doing okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of warm here, but by the time this episode comes out, it might not be warm. So people are like, Alex, what are you, what are you saying? Either way, it's not about <laughs> my lack of time awareness. It's all about your hobby of stand-up comedy. But before we do that, I'm going to ask the toughest question that everybody hates. Who is Shireen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That Was that on the list of questions? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I asked it on every episode. <laughs> Uh, who is Shireen? Well, I, you know, I started calling myself a multifaceted creative and then somebody said that I sound very egotistical, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just love, I, I got introduced to the arts. I got introduced to my creative side in really, really late in my life. I was in my late twenties. Um, and since I discovered cr- the creative side of me, like stand up comedy, and then I discovered acting and then I discovered writing I just, I am in love with the creative arts. I am in love with everything artistic and, and I'm kind of upset that I didn't get to start it earlier in my life. Um, but I am happy that I have found this fulfillment later in my life. I mean, I'm only in my thirties, so it's not like I'm like super old, but I still feel old in the sense that I missed out on those younger years of like, you know, pursuing something where your parents could be like, Oh, she's not making money. It's okay. She's young. She'll soon realize she's wrong in her ways. (laughs) And now it's like, Oh, she's in her thirties and not making money. Well, it's too late to do anything. But you know what? You take this as an opportunity because now you also have the wisdom and the knowledge and then you're just applying that. So it's more of like, all right, I have experience. I can use it to know what I really want to do with my hobby. So you, you have best of both worlds. Age, age is nothing. You know, it's just number of rotations you do around the sun. <laughs> um, well, you tell my bones that because <laughs> my, my joints hurt. <laughs> like I'm 50. <laughs> Don't worry, my back hurts. When I like many years ago, when I turned 25, I went to a trampoline zone. The first jump I did, my back hurt for six months. So I'm like, yep. Oh my. Yeah, that's that's time. Anyways, it's not about <laughs> our bodies just decomposing while we're living. It's about your hobby of stand-up, stand-up comedy. But before we jump into that, do you have any social media links, websites, projects, or absolutely anything at all that you would love to share? It could be related to stand-up comedy, but it could really be related to anything else at all. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me on any social media platform. I'm at Funny Brown Girl. Uh, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And you can also visit my website, funnybrowngirl.com, to see videos of my stand-up comedy. And if you are a creative on your journey, uh, trying to figure out how to take it from hobby to full-out passion project, or even just elevate yourself. Uh, I have a podcast called Creative Breakthrough, where I interview successful creatives uh, who share informal mentorship and strategies to win. And you can find that at Funny Brown Girl as well, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Creative Breakthrough. That's perfect. I'll put that down below. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it more during the podcast. It'll just sneak in there. Why not? Right? It's your show. You can talk about whatever you want related to your hobby. So yes, I'll put all those down below and people can go show some love, watch your journey or follow your journey or one of those two. Don't be too creepy, guys. Don't do that. Uh, Just enjoy Shireen's adventure. And now on to stand-up comedy. How did you actually get introduced to it? Did you like, was it like a dinner party and you just started spilling out jokes in front of your parents (laughs) and you're like, that's funny. Or they're like, that's not funny. You're like, you know what? I'll be rebellious. I'm going to do this. No, it actually, so I didn't even know what stand-up comedy was. I had never seen stand-up comedy. This was like pre-Netflix, right? Before you had, you could just sit at home and watch it on Netflix. 
this was like when you actually had to get dressed and go out and like see a comedy show. And I never, I never experienced it. And I had this family friend staying with me. I was living in Boston at the time. And I don't know who this girl was. Like I just met her and she was a mess. And she got into my liquor cabinet and she ended up getting drunk on tequila shots. And then she was like, well, I'm going to go to this comedy show. And I was like, no, you're not. You're drunk. <laughs> and the funny thing is that she's older than me. So I'm like, why am I being her mom right now? <laughs> but like, I was like, you're in my control. Like, I can't let you, I can't let you get hurt. My mom will kill me. And so she was adamant. She was going to this comedy show. So I was like, oh man, now I got to go with her. So I went with her to this comedy show. And we got there late and we paid our $20 and we sat down and she and her friends were having a ball. Like they were just, they were eating it up alive. And I'm just sitting there. I was bored. And maybe it's because I wasn't drinking because I felt like she had drank enough for both of us that I had to be a little bit more sober because I was like, this woman is going to really like, she's, she's going to end up, she's going to be a mess by the end of the night. So I wasn't drinking and I was just bored. And so after the show, um, I went up to the, I went up to the guy who I bought my ticket from and I demanded a refund. I said, I want my $20 back. <laughs> and he was like, well, that we don't really do that. And I was like, well, I think you should make an exception. Cause I didn't laugh one time. And so he called the owner of the club and the owner t talked to me and the owner said, you know, it's not that easy to make people laugh. And here I am, right? Like I'm like 25, 26 years old. I've never done stand-up comedy in my life. And I laughed at him and I was like, how hard can it be to make someone laugh? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said, fine, you go and do, learn stand-up comedy and you come back and perform here. And if you can make somebody laugh, I will give you back your money. And I said, challenge accepted. And then I went and learned how to be a stand-up comedian. And that first time I got on stage, I just fell in love with it. And that was it. The rest is history. That really sounds like a movie skit. It really does. It's like, you can't make me laugh. Like, all right, go ahead. Do it yourself. Fine. Boom. And it's like your adventure just starts there. That's awesome. If it was documented, this is this is a Netflix documentary bound to happen. Well, it's funny because like it's it's just like because he just if he had just given me my $20, can you imagine? I would have mm -hmm. never found my hobby. I would have never found this passion in my life that makes me excited to wake up every day. It's, it's like the, fu it's funny how the world works. And it's, this is a weird way of saying it too. It's like, luckily the girl went through your liquor cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad thing to say, but I mean, like just the stars aligned kind of thing. And it just, now you're, now you're talking to me, which isn't that much of a big significance, but you do stand up Connie, which is a lot better. Speaking of which, do you remember your first show? Like, do you remember what the jokes were or how you felt? Because I'm sure everybody who ever does, like, let's say any type of stage thing for the first time could be a little butterfly in your stomach or so, right? Yeah. Well, I don't remember the exact jokes, but I know, and, I, and I've seen this other comics do this too, but I was, I was very um, dirty, like a lot of sex jokes and a lot of racist jokes in the sense of like, not even racist, but like, you know, those stereotypical jokes that you make about people and races. And I find that as comedians, for some reason, we feel like those are the easiest jokes. So you'll see a lot of new comics always like being super dirty for no reason, or just like stereotypically racist. And, and sadly, I fell into that when I first started doing comedy. And, you know, I'm sure like from now, like you have some of that still in it, but you've evolved as well. Like you mixed up your style throughout the years. Oh, yeah. How would you define your stand-up comedy style? Maybe from then and now? I like to think that my style now is more cerebral. Um, I think I like to think it's I, it's I'm not really I, I don't want to classify I'm a stand up comedian, but I like to say I'm an activist as well, because I feel like the jokes I make on stage, I want to make a point. I'm trying to get a point across. Um, so I, I like to make people think I, I try to stay away from those easy jokes about like 
genitalia and stuff. But obviously, sometimes if I'm doing like a late night show, I'll I'll throw those in just for good humor. Like, hey, guys, I have a sense of humor, too. But uh, let's let's try to be a little classy here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure when you get on stage, you already have the preset what you're going to do for that night or like you say your first joke and then you read the audience you're like, all right, this is the type of audience it is. I'm going to switch up taking part of another set. I do read the audience. Um, I usually like will pay attention to the first couple people who go up, see what's working, see what's not working. Um, there are some jokes that I do no matter what the audience is, because I think they're super important to me. And I feel like if I'm giving my time on stage, I want to I want to convey my message as well. And usually those are the jokes that certain audiences don't like. And that's why I actually enjoy doing them because it's like, well, you know what? You're going to have to learn to like it. Yeah, you pay $20 or a certain <laughs> amount of money. I'm going to make you laugh. I proved to Apparently, I couldn't laugh the first time I went, but you know what? I'm going to make you laugh. <laughs> well, the thing with stand-up comedy is, is how I see it is like, it's, first, it's an art form, right? But second of all, it's like, you have to be genuine to yourself. You've got to, you've got to find your voice and you've got to be honest with who you are on stage. And so for me, it's like, I know you, I know it's 11 o'clock at night and I know you probably want to sit here and listen to sex jokes and dirty jokes and stuff. But at the end of the day, I want to be truthful to myself too. And so I have to, I have to be truthful and genuine to myself and, and say the jokes that really matter to me. No, no, it's absolutely true. It's you're, you're putting your voice on stage. You're just presenting yourself. Why not be yourself? They don't have to be anybody else, unless you're Jeff Dunham, <laughs> who is that being the the puppet master? The, the thing. unless you're just not funny, then try to be somebody who's funny. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be me. I, I'm not funny. My wife says that all the time. But, so uh, uh, actually, um, talking about the community aspect, I know it's a weird segue. Have you ever done like a show with fam uh, familiar people? Like, let's say not stand by side by side, but I'm like the same group of people every night for months and months or there's always new people. You meet new people and they're always friendly or there's more like the, I'm the funniest. I'm going to go by myself. <laughs> so usually the most I'll ever work with somebody is the weekend. So usually you'll work with, some, with somebody like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But yeah, like the like local comics, you'll you'll be on stage with them quite often during the week and stuff. And and it's funny because we're all family. At the end of the day, we're all like a comedy family. But yes, it's like any sibling relationship, right? Like there is that like insecurity that comes out, especially with male comics. Male comics really hate it when a, a female comic may be funnier than them. But that's any relationship, isn't it? <laughs> no, I love, love when my wife is funny. <laughs> it catches me off guard. I'm like, oh, you're funny. And then like, she's like, ah, you're stupid. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and... Uh, what is your go-to strategy when it comes to, let's say, get into the zone before going on stage? Do you have a, like a little tradition? Do you do a little dance? Do you eat like a banana? <laughs> do you blink four times? I don't know what, anything to like get you in the zone. I actually, and people laugh at me because they can sometimes see me doing this, but I will stretch before I get on stage. So I will like do toe touches and like stretch my arms and like my, crack my back. And like, I don't know, I just get so nervous on stage that I'm going to pull a muscle. Just standing up still like, oh, what, oh my keys here. Oh, just, just pulled. Oh, what happened? Oh my. Uh, I can well, just imagine you as well, just like playing Eye of the, Ti Eye of the Tiger. And like, dun, 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 dun. No, I can't do that before a show because th that would require so much energy from me to get on stage that I would have no energy for the rest of the show. <laughs> you get up on stage, you're like, oh, God. Uh, give me a minute, guys. I just did my routine warm up. It's like, what, what is, is she okay? She's like, <laughs> just, just wait, just wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of those high energy comics. I'm very subdued on stage, like very like low energy. So th something like that, if I had to like run up, on, it actually tires me out. Sometimes they'll play like loud music to bring you on stage and you're supposed to like hype up the audience. And I'm like, 
okay, now I'm tired. Like I can't, like I need to sit down. I just need to sit down. <laughs> you're like, you're exhausted already. Like, oh my goodness. Yep. <laughs> this is an odd question, but for, let's say for me, for example, I can have the longest day, but whenever I do like a podcast episode where I talk to somebody, I get like right into the zone. Like I'm happy. It just cheers me up. Does that happen to you where like you can have a long day and then you get into, let's say stand-up comedy, like boom, it just lights you up or like some days are like tougher than others. No, it's, it's definitely lights me up. And it's so funny you say that because my mom will always say that to me. She's like, you just worked a full day at the office. It's like Friday night. You've been at work all week. Don't you just want to come home and watch TV and like, you know, eat ice cream. And it's like, no, that sounds boring to me. Like I want to drive two hours to the show and like get on stage and do five minutes like that. It just brings you it, it when you find your hobby, like your passion, it just brings you this sense I don't know like fulfillment like this this is just joy you can't describe like I try to tell people like I've been skydiving before and doing comedy is more thrilling to me than skydiving I completely agree with you I I feel the exact same way with this podcast like I right now I have a giant stupid smile on (laughs) I'm just really happy about it and but you mentioned your mother has your mother ever been to one of your shows (laughs) so not on purpose uh no (laughs) There was this event. How? Well, there there was this uh, there was this huge event that happened uh, a couple years ago, and my parents were there. It was like, and I wasn't supposed to be part of the event. And then at the last minute, they asked me if I could come and do some comedy sometime because they didn't have anybody to like lighten the mood. And my parents, I didn't realize my parents were still there. I thought that they would have left by then because they're they're like they're one of those people like, oh, we showed face, now we can go. So I assumed <laughs> they showed face and then they were ready to go, but they still were there when I took the stage. And so they've seen four minutes of my comedy. And did you notice them when you're on stage? And then if so, did you uh, call them out like, oh, there, there's my mother <laughs> and there's my father? No, I didn't. I did not. I did not see them or notice them at all. But I mean, after the show, everyone was like, oh my God, that was so good. And I was just waiting for my parents to say something and neither of them said anything to me. It was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess you're not going to say good job. So maybe I will never invite you to a show. <laughs> <laughs> Their confirmation of good job is just a little bit of eye contact and some food. <laughs> just like, yeah. Today, today we just feed you. That means you did a good job. <laughs> okay. So that's a pretty memorable show, but would it be, so this is a following up question. What was your most memorable show if it wasn't that? Oh man. I, can I have two? You absolutely you may. Who <laughs> okay. says you can be restricted to just one? I think, well, my one, my first most memorable show was in Orlando. I actually got to open for Arsenio Hall. Oh. And, and it, the memorable part of it was, is that I didn't just go on stage and then come off, introduce him and then come off stage. He actually came, made me stay on stage and he came on stage and he like took my hand and like made, told everyone in the audience, like how awesome I was and that they need to give me a round of applause. And for someone like Arsenio Hall to take time to like validate or just even give a shout out to someone who was like nobody, you know, like myself, like it was just so heartwarming to know that he had been listening to my set and just, just knowing that he had faith in me that I knew what I was doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. That was probably the coolest moment. Um, and then the second coolest moment was, uh, last year, no, I don't count this year. So last year, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 2018, I actually got invited to uh, Lisbon, Portugal, and I got to perform in their um, their arena, which holds 15,000 people. And that was probably really cool. Just just seeing the stadium full of people and just being on stage and just it just felt like you were a rock star. It was like that was a show that probably Rocky could have come on and I would have had enough energy to dance to it. <laughs> you have it in like one ear. You're listening to it, like, All right, let's do this. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, you're talking about this year, not so much, but <laughs> have you ever done, let's say, a Zoom or Skype or any type of online stand-up comedy where it's, because uh, I know a lot of businesses are doing these like virtual things nowadays. Have you ever tried that? I have. This year has been like crazy with people wanting to do that stuff. And it's so hard. People like don't understand how hard it is. It, I was actually in negotiations with a company and they thought that they should be able to pay half of my, my normal rate because because it was virtual. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, it's so much harder to do it virtual. <laughs> like I should, you should pay me more for the mental anguish of doing it. For some reason, when you say they pay half a pace, like, cause oh, you only see the half, the top half of your body. It's like, they don't see your pants. Like, right. Maybe you're not wearing pants. It's like, okay, we won't pay for that. So you just back up and like, look, now you see all of me. I want all my pay. <laughs> well, it's funny because they're saving money too because they don't have to fly me out or, you know, like they don't have to rent a conference room or so like, but oh, it's, uh, and the hard part with the comedy when you're doing the Zoom comedy is some sometimes they have everybody muted, which is super awkward because nobody's laughing. And then sometimes they keep everybody's mics on, which is also super awkward because people are having conversations with their spouses and stuff or their children. And it's like, I can hear you. Like, can you, can you mute your mic? That's actually, that's a good thing you brought up. And I know it's a little off of my regular schedule question order, but yeah, it's my podcast. I can do whatever I want sometimes, <laughs> not all the times, never actually. Um, so when it comes to like people in the actual audience who talk or hecklers and stuff like that, how do you tend to deal with that? Do you just let those people talk or do you point them out or like bring them out or something like that? Do you do any of those? You know, I think it just depends on what they're saying. Um, I'm really cautious about hecklers for two reasons. One is a lot of times women can get can get uh, have the audience turn on them really fast because because you have to be really gentle with how you handle hecklers sometimes. And if you're too harsh on them, the audience will turn against you. And I feel as a woman, it's really easy sometimes for audience members to be like, oh, my God, she's being such a B word. But a lot of times the hecklers I get out of all honesty is I'm I'm a woman of color. I'm an immigrant. I'm brown. I'm Muslim. And so a lot of the hecklers I get, especially in the South, are because of my skin color or especially because I'm Muslim. And I have learned that it is best to try to ignore them unless I have something super witty that can turn the entire audience against that person. But usually I'm I'm the minority in the sense of like, a lot of people are feeling the same way that I'm Muslim. And so I'm not, I don't want to get into a, into a sparring match with them about it. No, it's completely understandable. And, uh, for, so whenever I go to stand-up comedies, I always like to see like the stand-up comedian on stage doing their thing. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves is like somebody interrupting, like you're performing on stage. And there's people behind like having these loud conversations as if they're in a airplane terminal <laughs> where they no, no one can hear. And there's like, I mm -hmm. would, I do this in theaters as well. When people are having like a full blown conversation behind, I'm like, dude, please guys, stop. Mm -hmm. If I was at your show, I'll take the heat. I'll take, uh, <laughs> so you can do your thing and I'll, I'll, I'll back you up. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're just talking and like having your own conversation, I will totally, I will totally interrupt you and huckle you. But but like I've had some people say, oh, she's Muslim. Get her out of here. Her people deserve to die. And it's like there's just really nothing you can say to that that's funny or that can calm the situation down other than just pretend you didn't hear it and keep moving, you know? Yeah, well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's, that's I'm sure like the first time you had that, it has to have been like a shell-shocking experience. Like, whoa, there's... <laughs> Oh yeah, I cried on stage. It was super embarrassing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. That's horrible. Because yeah, I'm, I'm half black, half white, and I, I know the idea of like just being judged because of your skin tone. So, 
Yeah, well, okay. If I was there, I would have heckled back at him. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'll protect you because right now you and I are family. No matter whoever comes on this show becomes my sister and brother. So there, oh, I boom. I appreciate that. I wish more people would act like that. It's funny because sometimes at these shows, like things like this will happen. And then after the show, people will come up to me and give me a hug and be like, I'm so sorry that happened. And like, and it's part of me is like, well, weren't you sitting right next to him? Why didn't you say something? <laughs> I know it's hard to say things, but it's also like, I feel like we're in a world now where we, we all have to do our part. I mean, I don't know how the environment in Canada is right now, but like in the United States, especially, it's like one of those situations where I feel like everybody needs to step up and do their part now. Yeah, no, it's the same thing here. We have to go through the same situation. It's, they say Canada is nice. I'm making this political, but anyways, like <laughs> all I'm saying is that yeah, Canada has problems as well. And then yes, if you have, we have to share our voices and you know what? Stand up comedy, you share voices, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for you, what goes into your training routine to improve your performance? Do you ever practice in front of the mirror? It sounds stupid. I was going to say, <laughs> do you try to make yourself laugh in front of the mirror? Like you say something, you react, ha ha. I don't know. What is your training routine? <laughs> um, I actually like to train in the shower. I don't know why the shower is like my place to uh, train. And then um, I, for me, it's it's a, just about getting on stage as many times as I can, just perfecting perfecting like my my stage presence, how I'm going to deliver jokes, where am I going to like lean in, where am I going to like make like what's the word extenuate like certain words and stuff, you know? And then just writing. I constantly try to write. It's a little harder right now to write because. There's not so many things I can write about in my house, but <laughs> <laughs> you just follow your mom. Okay, yes, mother, mother. And she's like, "What are you doing? Uh, no, 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 nothing. This is for scientific research." Yes. <laughs> yeah, I probably could write a whole set about my parents during quarantine because, like, they're just—it's amazing how uh, they how they're treating this whole thing. <laughs> but actually, that's a good point you brought up. Where do you tend to usually pull your inspiration to write your jokes? Oh, the stupidity of people. <laughs> Watch you ha- after this podcast. Oh, I got some stuff for you, Alex. Oh boy, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> no, the stupidity of the people, if you just observe people, like if you're just silent and you just observe people or let them talk or, and the things that some people will say, you're just like, oh my goodness, keep talking. <laughs> I feel like you sometimes you, in your head, you have that David Attenborough, the like documentary voice. Just, <laughs> and now you watch the Alex. In his natural habitat, <laughs> trying to figure out how to open a banana properly. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's awesome. I love like just the quiet scientific research approach. And then hopefully nobody's like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> there was a period of time when I would go on dates with men just for comedy. F- 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 I like don't know how to speak English today. F- f- fodder. Like, and it's, it was funny because I would go on these dates and they would be awful. And they would, some of them would scar me. Like I would cry. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're so rude and mean to me. But it's like, between you put yourself in that position. You knew you weren't interested in him, but yet you went on a date with him because you thought it would be co- comedy gold. Like, and I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's all for the purpose. It's all for the research. research. Yep. It's all for the hobby. <laughs> I know. So like after the date, I'm like, my, I'm like sobbing and my like, my other side of my brain's like, stop crying, Shereen. You can't cry. You did this to yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> Write it down. This is comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> And what would you say is the best part about stand-up comedy on a personal and emotional level? You get to share your viewpoints with, of the world with other people. I mean, you if you have something to say, you get you get a not only do you get a platform to say it, you get paid to say it. You have people who are paying to listen to you say it. And I think for me that's just been so amazing, especially like I started comedy after 9/11, um and it's just been such an amazing opportunity to help 
help change the narrative of who Muslims in America are. You know, it's it's to be part of that, be part of that narrative, to be part of that stance, that activist stance of saying, okay, what you see on the media and is completely untrue and incorrect. And I'm going to show you on stage exactly who we are. So yeah, breaking down the stereotypes, like, look, Muslims are not all terrorists. <gasps> what? Big surprise. I know. And it's, and I love it because like after shows, obviously I have some shows where people just hate me, right? Cause I say, the minute I say I'm Muslim, they already, they've already shut off and they've let their, their stereotypical uh, brain take over their common sense. But then there's people who come up to me after shows and they're like, you know, I've never met a Muslim person. And it's so cool to like hear your perspective. And for me, it feels like I'm actually doing good in society. Like I'm giving back in a way. And so for me, it's just, it's fulfilling all around. It's fulfilling to know I found something I love to do. And then it's also fulfilling to know that I am making a difference. And you absolutely are. And you're helping me make a difference with this podcast coming on here and breaking down those stereotypes. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, the, the, the honor is all mine. Uh, so for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started stand-up comedy? You know, to be honest, when I first started stand-up comedy, my biggest challenge was keeping it a secret from everybody. <laughs> like, So I had this job, um, it, a consulting job in Boston, and it was a startup firm. And the, my, the two bosses, like the two partners of the company were very focused on work. And they felt like you shouldn't do anything outside of work except work. So it was... It was go home at eight o'clock at night and keep working till midnight. And then the emails would go on all night and be at work at six in the morning. And I was so scared that if they found out that I was doing comedy, they would think I didn't care about my job and that I wasn't focused and that that I had enough time to go do comedy. That means I should have enough time to do more work. Um, and so I just was, I don't know why I was like looking back on it. I'm like, God, Shreen, you were so stupid. Like who cares what they think? But like at that time I, I was so, I didn't want to lose my job. And so I, I only, I went, that's when I came up with the name funny Brown girl. So on any show, nobody ever used my real name. It was just funny Brown girls. Um, and I, and I would just keep it a secret. And it was funny. I got called out because we were walking to, we would get, we would leave the building every day for lunch and we would walk through downtown Boston to get lunch. And somebody recognized me and they were like, you're so funny. Oh my God. I saw you last night. You were hilarious. And my partner looked at me and I looked at the lady and I was like, I think you have the wrong person. And she was like, no, no, it was you. I, I remember you and like, da, 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 da. And you were wearing this and da, 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 da. And I was like, I kept trying to like tell her like, will you stop? And I was, like, I was turning red and my, my boss was like, what is she talking about? You're doing something else other than working. And it just turned into this huge thing that I, I ended up getting laid off like a month or two later. What? Oh. Man, I'm that's stupid. I'm sorry you had to go through that. It's just, why? What can't can't people understand? People can have hobbies. It's okay. It's not always about work. You know, it's it's funny because I I still am I still work in corporate America, and I've now been in corporate America for ten years, and I have had managers. I actually just had a manager last year uh, who who just couldn't understand a hobby, like couldn't could not grasp the fact that I would rather spend time doing something outside of work then pursuing my career at work and working harder on the on my work to get promoted like she just couldn't wrap her head around it and it bothered her it it literally it used to make her angry that i would go and pursue comedy versus staying at work you should send her my podcast <laughs> <laughs> I got a few episodes. The stuff she said to me, she's like, I don't understand. Like if you, 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 you don't take your job seriously, I should demote you and you don't deserve to be here. Wow. There's, other rather, there's other people who would love to have your job and would actually stay the night and work on their job. than go do like, go spend their frivolous time doing other things. And, oh, it was, it was awful. Like it, 
and not, nothing you could do to convince her otherwise that you know having a hobby is a great thing okay you know what next time you have meet somebody like that call me over i'm just gonna fly <laughs> over and then just do the deep voice the scary voice uh, yeah yeah <laughs> she's like oh god okay i don't know who this strange bald man is but okay <laughs> i don't know she's a scary woman she may you may get scared by her i mean she's only it's funny she was only a year older than me and i sometimes would be like i would call out sick if we had a meeting on the calendar i'd be like oh i don't want to go to this meeting i'm calling out sick <laughs> man the world is full of interesting you <laughs> unique people but but on the opposite side there's wonderful people like yourself who do do their hobbies for love and for mental health reasons and for passion fun and to be on a podcast like this <laughs> i love that i love the mental health reason too i didn't even mention that but i think a hobby especially in a creative hobby is such a great outlet for mental health yeah it's all about balance because if you work work was it there's a saying all work no play makes something a dull boy that's it from a movie isn't it I have heard that. I'm not the, I am, I suck at pop culture, but yes, I think I've heard that before. Yeah. Something, something, something dark side. <laughs> so for you, what is your current biggest challenge? Well, right now, well, obviously COVID is a challenge because uh, there's nowhere to perform comedy. Um, and I, I don't want it to be the norm to perform on Zoom because that's just not going to work for me. I, I love the energy that people bring to the shows. But my, I guess my biggest challenge right now is just figuring out how to, tr how to pivot, right? Like, how do I pivot in this time? And how do I pivot in this current situation to actually continue doing what I love to do? Well, hopefully everything calms down eventually. And then uh, we get to somewhat go into somewhat a normal life. And then you get to do some normal comedy. Hopefully, uh, once again, I can get some actual guests here. But if they're from different areas around the world, it might be a little harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in Florida. So it's not looking to... It's not looking too optimistic over here, but hopefully we'll hopefully we will uh, we will unite together and stop being selfish and put on our masks and uh, and get this under control. I'm knocking on wood for you for it to get better. <laughs> <laughs> now this might be a tough question, but has stand-up comedy ever stressed you out? And if so, what do you do to de-stress? Like, what is your go-to? Like, <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, I mean, yes, stand-up comedy stresses me out. Like I mentioned earlier, like I, there's been times when I've been, uh, I've been on stage here in the South and like, it just has turned really ugly, really fast. And that's stressful because it's like, how is something that is supposed to be so fun and so thrilling to me turning into this, I'm getting death threats. Like I should not be getting death threats from something I love doing. And so that's, it's been stressful in that sense. And I think for me, it's being able to share those stories with people and then separating myself. So like there's been times when I like I don't I don't perform at certain clubs anymore. I don't perform with certain comedians anymore either because I don't feel I don't feel like they will protect me if somebody does try to kill me or threatens me with a gun. And so I have to remove myself from those situations. And it sucks because it's like why should I have to, why should I have to change my, where I perform? But at the same time, it's like, why put yourself in a stressful position like that for every door that closes on me? And that, in that sense, like five more doors open for me. Right. So I, I have to just trust that whatever's happening is happening for a reason. And I'm sure throughout the time you found some people that you do care about and who care about you as well. And then you can build that community aspect. And yeah, in every industry, there are some great people and then there's some uh, less great people, yeah. <laughs> like even in the podcasting world. There's some people who are genuine, nice, <laughs> and then some other people who are not too kind. So, but you know what? It's, it's, I tend to stay away from those that I do not agree with necessarily their philosophy or their point of view. 
Yeah. Well, it was funny. So like there was one show I did and it's the one where I started crying on stage because they were being so mean to me. And then one guy threatened to kill me and they called the police and like all this stuff. And it just got so messy so quickly. And the guy I had gone to the show with, the the headliner of the show, who I thought was my friend, was like, he was taking pictures with them and selling their merchandise. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, what? You're not going to come between me and my money. And I was like, it's not even about money right now. It's about ethics. It's like about, are you here with me to protect me? And he was like, no, I'm here. I'm a comedian and I need to make money and I'm going to make money. And you should apologize to them. If you just apologized, all this would go away. And I was like, apologize for what? For being Muslim? I can't apologize for being Muslim. Like, that's what this is all about. And, and it was funny because he he was a person of color as well. And I was like, what if they made fun of you? And the, he was like, I would just apologize because there's it, it doesn't have to escalate to this. Just get in, do your show, get your money and go. And I was like, okay, we don't, we, we can never work together again. <laughs> You're like, like peace. <laughs> and it's funny because he called me like six or seven times after that to work with me again because he knows like I I'm good at what I do. And I was like, no, I can't work with you. And he's like, you're ruining my money. Like it, it always came down to him saying you're messing with my money. And I was like, well, you're messing with my values. Like, so unless we come to an agreement on my values and your money, we can't work together. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm applauding for you. That was great. No, like I completely agree. Money isn't everything when it just tears down the value of who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. I feel money will always come to you. Like if you if you live your life by the morals and ethics that you should be, I feel like mon the money will come, you know? And sometimes it's not right away. Sometimes it takes time. You just mm -hmm. got to be patient. Yep. And you were talking about this throughout the episode and you were mentioning it just now a little bit here. But this is my favorite question because it really brings out the light and everything and just shares your voice, amplifies your voice even more. What are some misconceptions about people who do stand-up comedy? <laughs> People think we're deranged. People think like that we have some sort of mental illness or that we were abused as children and like we're struggling with some sort of addiction. I don't know. People just think that we came from these horrible, horrible backgrounds, horrible families, horrible like childhoods and comedy is our way to deal with it. And it, and, and I, I personally, and it's funny because I asked my therapist about this one day too. I was like, do you think that I have something that happened in my childhood that I'm trying to uh, salvage on stage? And we like examined everything. And she goes, no, I think you just have a passion to tell jokes and make people laugh. Like, I think it's just as easy as that. Cause, because people always ask me, they're like, what happened in your childhood that made you want to be a comedian? And I'm like, my parents loved me. I don't know. Like, did they, <laughs> did they love me too much? Like, She's like, so. oh my God, I'm so sorry for that. I'm sorry that your parents loved you and made you <laughs> choose to do something that you love doing. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's fair. It's, it's not what all you see. You don't have to go through a tough time to be a stand-up comedian. Absolutely not. I mean, granted, like I have had, I, I won't lie, like in college, I, I had some experiences in college, which I think scarred me to a degree. And doing comedy has allowed me to find my voice that I think those incidences took away from me. Um, so I, I'll say like, there are there are some pros to doing comedy where I feel like, okay, maybe, maybe I turned to comedy because deep down inside, I felt like I'd lost my voice. And deep down inside, I felt like people weren't listening to me. Um, and I went to college, I was in college during 9-11. So a lot of it was just like, Nobody was, nobody wanted to hear my side of the story or like, not even, I didn't have a side of the story of 9-11, but I mean, just what, what is being Muslim even mean, you know? Um, and so I, I think in some points, some ways it, yeah, sure. I, I wanted to find my voice and I wanted to have a voice, but I don't think I, uh, I don't think I'm mentally deranged. <laughs> you seem like a decent person to me. Maybe the opposite you think I am, but you know, well, it could be my wife thinks I talk too much. <laughs> so 
Yeah. So, but you know what? Uh, you're doing a great job. I actually saw some of your stuff and I, I found it pretty funny and I had the giant stupid smile on while I was watching. I'm like, I can't because it's middle of the night. And I didn't want to wake up my wife. I'm like, he's like <laughs> snorting a lot, but it's really good. You know what? Keep it up. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And now for another tough question. <laughs> oh God. What has, and I'm like, you're like, oh God, Alex, stop with the tough questions. They're not that tough or they're stupid. Uh, what has stand-up comedy taught you in life? Oh man, I think it's <laughs> so. I honestly, I think stand-up comedy has taught me so much. I mean, so like just from a from a personal perspective, it's taught me how to relate to people. It's taught me how to read audiences. Um, it's taught me how to like have a voice, share my voice, be an activist, take a stand, find my passion, be joyful. Um, but on a business side too, it's taught me about like negotiations and promotions and marketing and dealing with people. And then even beyond all that, it's just taught me how to believe in myself. I feel like for an artist, sometimes I think sometimes we we don't believe in ourselves enough and we don't believe in our art. And comedy has taught me like the importance of believing yourself, believing in yourself and your art and what you're capable of doing. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then why should someone else believe in you? Why should someone come and pay money to see you and do a show? Or why should somebody put you on a show? Um, and the only way you're going to be successful is if you believe in yourself. And so I've had to really learn to love myself and respect myself and like, and, 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 and value myself. And I think that was, there was, those were key attributes that I was missing in my, in my life that I've been able to find through comedy. And it really does show in your comedy that you are passionate. You really do believe in what you say. So good on you. Thank you. And, uh, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Yeah. Like if you, if you have ever thought about doing comedy, go do it there. There, I mean, right now it's different times, but there are so many open mics and an open mic is really, you just go to the bar. It's usually at a bar or a club and you sign up in advance. Like you get there an hour earlier and you put your name on the list and then you get to go up for three to five minutes and go and try and see if you like it. See if you enjoy doing it. Obviously don't just go up there and not have anything to say, write something down. Um, but there's also classes you can take. There's a bunch of classes um, there's so many online classes right now by great instructors um, that you can take and you can read books about it. Like I, any hobby you have, if you've ever had an inkling, go do it. And and I say that because after I started comedy, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do acting. So I went to an acting class. Oh, I've always wanted to write a TV pilot. So I wrote a TV pilot. Like it's, it's like, just try it and do it because you could be, you could have this great skill. You could have this great achievements sitting sitting with you that you just don't even know about and and you could become the next the next amazing thing and you just you just need to go apply yourself you can become the next shireen <laughs> i'm still <laughs> trying to be the next shireen. i have a long ways to go <laughs> well you're way ahead of me in stand-up comedy acting <laughs> and everything else related to projecting yourself into the public <laughs> well and it, it all started because of comedy honestly if i had never found comedy i don't think i would have found all these other things that came with it like podcasting radio acting writing it's just everything just came from comedy and so i i i, I count my blessings because you're right if that girl hadn't gotten to my liquor cabinet i would, I would just be <laughs> a boring excel junkie who like sits in front of my computer all day creating excel models and oh my god i would hate myself <laughs> I love I love those little things. It's just like, oh, cool. It sparked an interest. Cool. I'm deep in it. Oh, this is awesome. Actually, there's a question. I know this is a little odd segue, but I forgot to mention it or ask it because I was thinking about other questions. But out of, let's say, 100% of your stand-up comedy, how much is of it is improvised if you had to improvise? It depends on the show that I do. Obviously, like sometimes if it's like five or 10 minute shows, I will, most of it's on script unless somebody starts heckling me or there's something interesting happening in the audience. 
Um, if it's a longer show, like an hour show, then I would say about 25% of it's improvised. You know what? That's I, I'd get so nervous. I, I would improvise the whole show and it would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some comics do that. Some comics can improvise the whole show. That 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 just doesn't work for me because I, I do get nervous that I might say something incorrectly or I may just stumble. I I like to have my jokes as sort of like a uh, a cane, like a crutch. Well, it's kind of like this podcast right now with like some questions I have pre-written and then uh, other questions I'm like, yeah, this is this is odd enough. I'll ask that. Yeah. Throw her, throw Shireen off guard. Yeah, she hopefully she doesn't mind. <laughs> no, you can throw me off guard. <laughs> I can throw you off guard. Bring it, bring uh, it. These are these are nothing. <laughs> these are nothing. Okay, well, what is the square root? I'm not kidding. I'm not gonna ask. <laughs> hey, I'm Asian. I can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the square root of blue? <laughs> Got you there, huh? <laughs> uh, so I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, projects, or absolutely anything at all that you would love to share? Once again, it can be related to stand-up comedy and it can be related to, I don't know, maybe a podcast or anything at all. I'm going to piggyback off one of your questions. You said if somebody's interested in stand-up comedy, what should they do? So you can check out my podcast. Um, I've actually interviewed three stand-up comedians and one being Maj Jobrani and Shante Waynes of the Waynes Brothers. And they give some really great advice on how to be a stand-up comedian. If you have any other hobby interests like filmmaking, film directing, TV writing, um, my podcast covers all that too. Just how to elevate your creative journey. Um, that's called Creative Breakthrough. And you can find it everywhere you find podcasts. Or you can follow me online, Funny Brown Girl on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or visit funnybrowngirl.com. Make things even easier. You can just go down below in the description and click all those there. So it'll be very easy. And then you can just be friends, best friends with Shireen. Yay. And I answer all my DMs. If you slide into my DMs, I got you. I'm going to slide, trip, hit my face, <laughs> and go to the hospital first, then come back and finish the conversation. <laughs> now for the last question is probably a stupidest one, but you know what? Cool. Why not? Do you have any questions for me about stand-up comedy? Who's your favorite comedian? Oh, from, let's say, are you talking about like recent comedians or are you talking about, let's say, from all time? Who's your goat? My goat. That's a good question. Uh, you know what? It sounds very stereotypical, but I grew up with Dave Chappelle. Okay. The reason why I like Dave Chappelle is that he, like, like he's kind of like, it reminds me of you in the sense that he's honest. He's like, right, I don't care what these people say, I'm just going to be myself. Uh, but I don't know, I'm kind of, oh, actually, I also like Donald Glover. Oh, yes, he's good. And uh, so it's a little bit of everywhere. I kind of like, it's, for me, it's hard to find one comedian that satisfies all my funny bones. I kind of <laughs> like, it's kind of like saying, oh, yeah, I only like one specific hobby. Well, for this podcast, I like talking about all different types of hobbies because they all satisfy me in different ways. That sounds weird saying that. But yes, <laughs> so that's that's that'd have to be it for me, I guess, those two. But wait, how about you? Well, I feel like people would get mad at me if I didn't say Dave Chappelle. But I think for me, I, <laughs> I really, I, I like Chris Rock because I think I love his honesty too. He's super genuine on stage. He's honest. He doesn't care what boat he's rocking. He just says it. And like you said before, it's a, it's a very important to be true to yourself because that's how you become more natural on stage and more, I was going to say more believable, but <laughs> more relatable, more likable. It's just, and also you're more comfortable in your own skin. Uh, this is a really, really, I heard this the other day. I know I'm sure you get this a lot. Like people say, oh, you're a stand-up comedian? Here, let me tell you a joke. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyways because it's my podcast. This is like the best knock-knock joke I've ever heard. So it's say knock-knock. Knock-knock. Who's there? Oh my! Uh, 
<laughs> See, the, the funny part is that you're like, oh, wait, what? No, this is not how it works. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, crap. I should have something witty to say, and I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it really throws people off guard because it's the opposite. I, uh, I say, no, knock, knock, and then you say who's there, and then... But when I throw it back to you, you're like, wait, what? No. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're at the door like, no, no, wait, wait, what am I knocking? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, man, you got me on that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, you must get that a lot. So you know what? I'll end this here so I make less of an embarrassment for myself and leave on a high note if I was ever on a high note. So there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Shireen, for just coming on and tolerating my silly questions. No, this was great. Thank you for having me. If you guys would like to learn more about Shireen, you should go check her out. I'll put all the links down below in the description, so it'll be very easy to find. Go show her some love. Go show her some support. And if you're around her area, go to her comedy show. Watch her do her thing and, you know, laugh, enjoy, have a conversation. She's very friendly. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, you know, reviews, I'll, I'll take reviews. They're, they're good. Even if they're bad, I'll take them. You know what? It's building my character. And of course, if you'd like to show some more support, I also have uh, merchandise being sold on Redbubble and I also have a Patreon. But these are only optional. You don't have to do it to enjoy the podcast. You can just listen to like the podcast and then do whatever you're doing the rest of the day. Uh, so yeah, once again, thank you so much, Shireen. No, thank you. This was great. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>